Okay, so this morning's lesson is He is Coming. Of course, this is traditionally uh, called Palm Sunday because this was the Sunday, this was the day that Jesus rode in on a donkey and into Jerusalem, uh, which was uh, very symbolic of his his ministry and how he came to earth, you know, very humble means. Of course, they 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 uh, they cheered him with palms, which was and, sang, and, and shouted Hosanna, which was the traditional greeting of the king returning. Um, and it was a big deal. It was a big deal because uh, things were kind of culminating and and coming to a climax. The tension was in the air. Jesus had been out preaching in the countryside up north and coming heading back to Jerusalem, and everybody was wondering what is going to happen. There was a lot of tension. A lot of feelings. Of course, this crowd that was all yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king is here. Uh, it's the same crowd who would later be yelling, crucify him, you know, so kind of tells you a lot of where people were at and all the feelings. It was, it was a scary time. People were afraid that war might break out. Uh, some people were afraid that a revolution wouldn't break out. Some people were afraid that it would break out. Um, there was just a lot going on in the world. There were a lot of feelings in Jesus. This power agent comes in. And he's healing people. He's doing incredible things. Lots of questions about him. Lots of followers already following him. Everywhere he went, crowds of thousands of people would would um, would gather to see him, to hear him. He uh, by this time in his ministry, this we're probably at least about three years into his ministry, and he's wrapping it up. Um, this is the last week, so a lot was going on. A lot of feelings. A lot of fear. A lot of a lot of anxiety. A lot of emotions. Uh, which I think is kind of fitting for where we're at right now, you know, with, uh, of course, with COVID-19, um, the, the the pandemic is out there, at least in our city in Los Angeles and in many places in the United States, things are really, really getting intense. The, the, the death tolls are just really unfathomable. I mean, we can't even understand what's going on out there. It is scary to watch the news. It's scary to hear what's happening. And, and, and then to add more to that is, is the scary what's going to happen when, when this hits poorer countries and starts affecting the, the communities out there that have no access to, to medicine and doctors and hospitals and resources like we do. But even for us right now, it's pretty scary. A lot of things going on out there. Um, I always think of this scripture in Romans or Paul's talking to the church and he says, you know, that we know that the whole, Creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You know, I don't, I, I don't pretend to understand exactly how that works. What is the connection between the spiritual world and the physical world? But what I do know is there is a connection. And, and you might say, well, his statement is a metaphorical statement, but we know the whole world is in pain. And, and even it's been on the news that with the lack of traffic and the lack of travel and the lower, lowering of pollution around the world, <clears throat> the earth is kind of healing right now. Um, the earth is in is in kind of a healing mode because waters are getting cleaner, the air is getting cleaner. So just a lot of strange stuff going on. And then you hear earthquakes and floods and all this stuff, and you start to wonder, whoa, is God wrapping it up? I don't know, but I do know this. I do know this, that Jesus wanted us always, no matter what happens, to be ready. To be ready. Ready for what? Well, there's two things that are going to happen that we have no control over. One is someday we all die, right? Every one of us. Uh, uh, 
we all have our date. We all have an expiration date. We don't know what it is, but there is one. And two, we don't know what day Jesus is going to return. We don't know that. And and either one of those could happen any time. What Jesus wanted us always to be is ready for either one of those. In fact, even in, you know, in the scriptures where he talks about the apocalyptic endings of the world, the main point was always not figure out what day that is, as some people like to do or try to do, and they're always wrong, but to figure out, figure out what do I need to do to be ready. That's the main thing, is Jesus wants us to be ready for his return. So this uh, week was the time that he returned to Jerusalem, and it was a big week. And there were a lot of tensions in the air, a lot going on. And I, so I want us to focus this week on Jesus himself. I've been focusing over the last few weeks on heroes of faith, heroes in the Bible. Uh, this week, we're going to focus on Jesus. And uh, I want to start out in the Matthew, in Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this is this is a, a very powerful scripture. It's um it's loaded with good news. It's loaded with good news that frankly I think a lot of us are just not sure about and don't really understand how this works. And so I want to talk about this a little bit. You know, he he starts out saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know, and that's 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 a lot of us. You know, I was thinking, well, who would that be? Well, probably just about everybody over 21, you know, everybody paying their own bills. Definitely everybody wondering, where's my next paycheck going to come from? Or am I going to make enough money? Or you know, is my business going to survive this? Is, 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 am I going to be able to pay rent? And, and, and at this moment, that's a whole lot of us that are trying to figure out just how are we going to get by these next few months? And, you know, this promise obviously wasn't made specifically for this week, although it was made for this week. It was made generally for all weeks, and it's always true no matter what time in your life you stop and read your Bible. Uh, it's still true, and it's still a calling. I think the older we get, the more we, we do get weary, and the more we do care, we become aware of all the burdens we're carrying. And some burdens from the past, some burdens from, from bad things that happened before, some burdens from things we're worried about happening because we know what can go wrong, and and, you know, those of us that have kids and those our kids grow up and then we have grandkids and and it's a wonderful thing out there to have, you know, big families. But then there's even more things to worry about. Right. And and Jesus know, knew that he knows us. He knows that we're carrying a lot in our hearts. And particularly right now, we are carrying an excessive load. There's very high levels of anxiety and stress out there in the world. So I think it's a great thing to stop and just think about Jesus right now. And he says, I love this. He says, I will give you rest. You know, we, we, we all need rest. I showed the other day, I don't, I forgot to bring it with me. The ticket my niece gave me 
she she was really cool. She made these tickets from Ticketron, and they said uh, one free day of rest and do nothing. And I'm still looking for a day I can cash that in. But but um, you know, we we love the idea of rest. You know, the, for some of us that means going to the spa or going on vacation or something. And and we and I think a lot of us are feeling it. We we're, we're feeling the all the things that we're worrying about and, and carrying around in our hearts. Jesus, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here's the thing: is to really get rest. I mean, to really rest, not just to numb out. There's 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 rest where like I, I I personally love movies because I get to check out for a couple hours and I especially love them in the theater because it's dark and I'm just in the world of the movie and I'm there whether it's you know fighting a Sith with a bunch of Jedis or or running around Middle Earth or or sci-fi or or some adventure movie. I like movies because then I can rest. I don't have to think about the problems of the world or the issues of the world, and I get to check out. But it's not really rest. It's really kind of a pause because as soon as the movie's over, boom, we're back, right? We're back dealing with real life. Um, This is a deeper rest. This is a real rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is a rest that requires seeking Jesus, a rest that only he gives. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And this is probably the most exciting thing to me in the last five years of my Christianity, is I feel like I'm learning so much about how to take care of my soul, how to rest in Jesus. But it means that I've got to take his yoke. In other words, I've got to be a disciple. That means I'm a follower of Jesus, totally taking on uh, his teachings. And it means that I'm learning from him how to even unload, how to even give things over to God. I think that that it's very easy, and it happens to all of us, so don't feel bad when you relate to this, but it's very easy. Sometimes we go pray, and we're just worrying. I mean, we're just kind of worrying out loud. We're dumping on God all our worries and fears, and we don't necessarily feel any better and maybe even feel worse because now we got a list of all the things we're afraid of, you know, of really learning to focus our minds and hearts on God, to draw near to Jesus and rest and give it to him, surrender it all to him. It's honestly kind of what the strategy of all these studies we've been doing has been because what part of what is required to do that is one, you have to understand how great God is. If you don't know God, if God is a little statue or a painting to you or a necklace you wear or something, that God is not big enough to handle all your problems. But if your God is clearly the creator of the universe, the being, the omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient God who, who created all things and is all powerful and all the way, and by the way, all loving, that's the God who you can entrust yourself to. That's the God that you can put. But but it takes learning. It takes focus. It takes meditation to really get that in here, that we know God that well, that we're that confident in him, that we feel 
assured, that we feel confident in God. And knowing Jesus and reading and really getting to know who Jesus is and know his heart. So much so that you could just quote scriptures that he said. Not because you want to be Mr. Scripture Quoter, but because you know him that well. You know, the in our family, the, the, I've said this before, one of, the, one of our movies of our family is Lord of the Rings. We could put it on and cover the screen and pretty much say every line that's coming out. Why? Because we've seen it so many times. We know that movie, you know, we know it so well. And you've done that. You watch a movie you've seen a lot of times and you're throwing out the you're throwing out the dialogue before they even say it, right? That's how well we need to know Jesus. That we know exactly what he'd say in any situation. And again, it's not about, well, why aren't you reading your Bible more? It's about really knowing Jesus. And yeah, we read our Bible more so we can know, but really knowing him so that we can put our burdens on him. And we know how much he cares and we know how much he relates and we know how much he can do for us. And more than that, because he wants to do for us and how important it is that we know him like that. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And you notice he says he's gentle and he's humble. See, what are we afraid of whenever we're open about our lives? Somebody being harsh with us and somebody judging us and just looking down on us. And if anybody has the right to judge, it's Jesus, of course. But even he comes in humility. Even he comes gentle because he cares about you. And he wants you to be able to open up. He is the safe place for us to open our hearts. But all that takes an effort takes a focus, takes a, dis- a certain amount of discipline to make sure you're having that time, you're having that relationship. And he says, for my yoke is easy. And see, and I'll be honest with you, for years, that just didn't make sense to me. I thought it's hard to be a Christian. To all this self-denial and pushing and, you know, reaching out to people when I don't want to talk to them or I'm afraid of public, you know, being out there in the public and I'm out there reaching out and so much self-denial and self-pushing Is this really easy? But when you're really close to Jesus and you're having these times with him and you're filling, in a sense, you're filling your cup with Jesus, with God, it makes everything else easy, everything else easier. It lightens the load. His yoke, compared to living lies, compared to trying to look right when you're not right compared to to all the garbage that happens in this world, really being surrendered is the easier route. It doesn't seem like it because we're, we're, we're so busy trying to look right and trying to look like we got it together and trying to look like we're, everything's okay and trying to, trying to appear good that, that that's exhausting. We don't realize if you just surrender to God, and just be his and do things his way and let Jesus be Lord. It's so much easier. It's so much, it's so much better. And it's just, it's just letting go. We think oftentimes it's like being Chris, like climbing this cliff where we're hanging on and we don't want to slip and fall. When in reality, 
Living the Christian life is letting go of the cliff and just trusting God. All right, God, you said it, I'll do it. You ask, I'll give. You want me to be open? I'll be open. You want me to trust you? I'll trust you. And that's a whole lot easier than climbing that cliff. And this is my burden is light. So if you're living a Christian life and and your Christian life is so hard and so burdensome, you've probably forgot Christ in your Christianity. You probably forgot God in your godliness, or you just don't have enough God in your godliness and you're white knuckling it. And I think that's happening. That's showing as, as stress builds up, anxiety builds up, fear builds up. And some people's Christianity is getting crushed. Others, it's getting stronger. Be the one that's getting stronger. Well, how do you make it stronger? Focus on Jesus. In in Hebrews chapter two, which is all about focusing on Jesus, he says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom and everything exists, through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He made the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. You know, we see all these disaster me- movies, right? And everybody's trying to survive and everybody's trying to get out, which oddly enough is really popular now. We watched, we've watched like World War Z and Outbreak and all these. I don't know why we're watching these, but, but they just somehow seem to go with the times and, and, and they're real popular. I can tell by, by what's being watched out there. And so we're watching, we watch these disaster movies and it's always, you're following the one that hopefully is going to make it, right? If it's the the Poseidon adventure, it's the the group that gets up and crawls out of the hull of the ship or, or, or the San Andreas movie or any of these movies that have come out, you, you're following the one that gets out, the one that survives, right? That's the pioneer. That's the person who figured it out. No, there was no path, there was no way, but they figured out. And that's what he's saying here. That's who Jesus is. He's the pioneer of salvation. He's the one that everybody that followed this guy survived the disaster. That's what he's saying. That's Jesus. And you need to stick with him. And he says, he says, this is the most incredible line. One of the most incredible lines in the whole Bible. It says the pioneer was made perfect through what he suffered. Jesus is, first of all, he's the pioneer of our salvation. He's the one that figured out how to get out of this. Two, he himself was made perfect through suffering. Whoa. You see, there's there's there, there's no way, one, out of suffering, but two, you have to understand the value of it. That it, 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 it actually, it perfects us. Now this is the Greek perfection, teleos, not the, not the English perfection, which is flawless. Greek perfection, the Greek understanding of perfection is to be fully mature, fully developed, all that you're supposed to be. You know, you think of an, a great athlete who just plays with perfection. He does everything as it needs to be done. That's more like it. It doesn't mean that they're flawless and they don't have issues or anything but it means that that they're doing everything as it should be done or they are what they should be what god designed you to be you have become that that's perfection that's different than flawless flawless is a burden that nobody can live up to 
It's a goal that nobody's going to live up to. But being all that you have been created to be is different. And Jesus became all that he was created to be, which is what? He came to what? To be our Savior. And even that, he suffered to become perfect for that. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He made us family by suffering. He created his own family by suffering. You know, um, if you if you watch the Hebrews chapter 2 lesson, then this is a bit of a repeat, but it's good. It's good to hear it a couple times. Um, you know, we people who suffer together are bonded together. That's why guys coming back from battle or now even women are, that have been in this in the front lines, when they come back, whoever they are, they're, they're, they're so close to their platoon or their squadron or their, or their team, the people they suffered with, the people they were in the trenches with. And there's always stories of the bonds and the friendships and World War II guys that are, you know, in their 90s and they're still their best friends are the guys that they were in the trenches with 70 years ago, 80 years ago. Why? Because suffering bonds us and makes us family. And that so Jesus suffered so that we're family, so that he could be the perfect savior for us. He explains in verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And this is what's incredible. In other words, he too shared in just being human and just being like us and going through the things we go through so that By his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. In other words, he he became mortal because we're mortal. So he could overcome death so that we could have a vision of overcoming death. So we can have the confidence to know that when this body dies, I'm not dead. COVID-19 can't kill me. It can kill my body, but it can't kill me. I will continue. I will go on. That's real. That's not science fiction. That's not fantasy. That's real. And Jesus proved it. He proved it by coming here, being like us, dying, and then rising from the dead to show that death won't hold me down. Death won't stop me. And he says, and and free those who all their lives were held by slavery by their fear of death. You know, there's a lot of fears that are... That, that we have that behind that fear is actually the fear of death. I mean, whether it's trying to stay young, trying to stay good looking, trying to stay, trying to stay all these different things. Basically, bottom line is we're just trying to stick around as long as we can, right? Because we're afraid of dying. And what happens after that? And Jesus tried to take all that away. And if you know him and you understand him and you and you and you're walking with him, you get that. And you're freed. And if you're free of death, you're free. You're, you're just free. And he says, and he says, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Said so, so he, 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 in order to really be able to help us, he had to become just like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful. What what does merciful mean? Merciful is you have mercy on people, right? 
You don't just judge them. You don't just like, I can't believe you're so weak. You struggle with that. I can't believe you have that sin. I can't believe. No, no, no. Jesus, I understand that. Jesus would look at you and know, I know exactly what you're feeling. And I know why you're struggling with this. And I know why this is so hard on you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, of all the people in the universe to understand and relate to us, who better than Jesus? The one who will judge us. The one who is the judge of eternity. Who understands. He came. He understands. He says, he says, he had to be made fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Who was the high priest? The high priest was the one that went to God and made the sacrifices for the people in order that the people can stay right with God. So he made his personal sacrifice to make sure that you are right with God, that I am right with God. And he says, and, he, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He gets it. He, he knows how hard this life is. Anytime we go through hard things, we want to talk to somebody who relates, who understands. I shared this story of Michelle and I doing this marriage workshop in Boston. And in the workshop, she shared about what it was like living with a chronic illness and how challenging that was. And sometimes people would question her commitment, question her loyalty to God and question her devotion to the church when she was as devoted and committed as anybody ever has been. But because of health reasons, sometimes she couldn't make it and people questioned her. And so she shared that experience. And it was amazing because afterwards, there was like 40 women trying to talk to Michelle afterwards. And I was watching that going, whoa, something she said really struck a nerve. And I figured it out. That's what it was, was that she related to their suffering. And they were used to leaders condemning them or judging them for not showing up Wednesday or missing something and not understanding what they were going through. This leader, Jesus, totally understands us, totally gets us. And understands what we're going through. And even temptation, even temptation, he totally understands. Chapter 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So since, since we have this Savior who understands us, loves us, is all-powerful, has moved mountains, has suffered just to make sure we can make it, just to make sure he understands us, just to make sure he gets us. The perfect Savior. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So he's saying, so hang on there. Hold firmly to that faith. I mean, sometimes, you know, we say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but hmm, how, how real is that? He's saying, don't give that up. In fact, grab a hold of it stronger. Grab those ideals in your head that maybe you don't always live up to. Grab onto them. Grab onto them. If you're not walking with Jesus the way you feel like you should be, 
Hang on to that and start walking. Go for it spiritually. He says, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. So we have a high priest who gets it, who suffered, who's been weak, he's he's been through it all, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. He figured out how to do it. What we're striving to do, what we're fighting to do, what we're trying to do, he did it. He did it. He did it. He says, then let, let us then approach God's throne of grace. So when we go to God and we approach his throne, whether that's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's at night before you go to bed, whether it's throughout the day, he says, the throne of grace, I love that. Not the throne of judgment, not the throne of harshness, not the throne of what's the matter with you, the throne of grace. I understand. I get you. I've been there. I know how hard it is. And therefore, I'm patient with you. And therefore, I will not treat you according to your sins. I will not bless you according to what you deserve. I'm so grateful for that. You know, as a young man, I was a political activist out there marching, carrying banners and protests and stuff. And I would organize them and all this stuff. And I, I, I've painted justice now on a placard, you know. But when I studied the Bible and I really began to understand who I am before the Lord and who I am compared to who God is, compared to who Jesus is, my sign changed. I stopped asking for justice and I started asking for mercy. I realized I don't want justice from God. If God treated me according to my sins, I'd be a little pile of smoldering ashes. No, what I need is God's mercy, God's kindness. And he's saying, so now as you approach the throne of grace with confidence, he doesn't want us insecure with God. He doesn't want us feeling bad and terrible. He wants us to approach God with confidence so that we may receive mercy, there it is again, and find grace to help us in our time of need. We're in a time of need. And I want you to know who Jesus is, how much he loves you, and how patient and kind he is, how forgiving he is, how merciful he is. And, 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 and not be afraid of his judgment right now. He's trying to help you be all that you've been designed to be. Yeah, there will come a day for judgment, but it's not today. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day of mercy. And today is the day to turn to him and to trust him and find the grace to help you in your time of need. In Ephesians 2, he says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. He tells us, who are we? If you're, if you're, if you're not a Christian, or you were a Christian, you stopped being a Christian, come back. He's saying, get back here. Get back 
and return to the throne of grace and find mercy and find kindness. It's the right way. It's so burdensome not being a Christian. And with all the challenges of being a Christian, it's so much lighter. It's so much better. He's saying, come back. But if you are a Christian and you are a disciple, he's saying, do you understand? You're, you're, you're not a foreigner to God. You're not a stranger. You're a fellow citizen. You're a paisano with God. You're one of God's people. To use an old term, one of his peeps. You're one of his. And you're, and you're members of his household. You know, members of my house, it's funny, even when, even though my kids have their own houses, their own apartments, they come in, they open the refrigerator and look for food and they drink whatever, they take stuff and, and that's just, they still consider it the right of being a member. And they are, they're the members of my household and they have those special rights and special privileges. And you have that with God as his people as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, built on the foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets. The prophets wrote the Old Testament. The apostles wrote the New Testament. You have that. You got that book. I know. I saw you carrying it. With Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. What is the chief cornerstone? It's the, it's, it's the stone that everything else in the building lines up to. Everything in my life needs to line up to Jesus. Everything in your life. If something's out of whack with Jesus, get it back in whack. Whack it back. Get it back right with Jesus. And be straight with him. Be lined up with him. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That's who we preach. We're not preaching a new religion, a new sect, a new idea, a new philosophy. The world doesn't need another religion. It's got too many already. The world doesn't need another group. It doesn't need another person out there saying, this is the way, this is what you got to do, and I have all the answers. We already have Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We all need to help each other get there. We all need to help each other grow up in Jesus. That's a biblical command. Grow up. Mature. Develop. He says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's basically saying, look, this is everything I got is put into this. Is helping each other get to full maturity, which gets us to heaven. Help us form Christ in us. You know, I used to think that the hardest thing was helping people become Christians. I realized that's not the hard part. The hard part is helping people who've become Christians become like Jesus. That's the real work. That's the real challenge. And that's what Paul was devoted to. And so even now, as we're going through a lot, let's help each other. Let's realize what the goal is through this to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's our that's our goal this year as a church. And to, to let uh, our hearts, our minds, our souls, put them all in the hands of Jesus 
and find rest in him, find strength in him. Jesus said this, Now is the time of judgment for this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. He was talking about, this was the week, this was the week before, this was right before he was crucified. And he knew that he'd be put on the cross and lifted up. And that would bring judgment on the world. You see, you either respond to the cross or you reject the cross. There's no in between. You respond, you give your life to Jesus, you reject it, you walk away from him. And he said, that's what this cross is going to force in the world. Judgment on it. And he said, when I am lifted up, though, I will draw. And, and, and truthfully, the term is a loaded term. Because the word lifted up, hoopso, means many things. It means to lift up, to hold up, to praise up, to upload, to preach, to proclaim, to shout out. And it, certainly that's what happened to him. When he was crucified, he was lifted up. When he rose from the dead, he was raised up. And he spent time teaching all the disciples and many, many other people who saw him. And then he was raised up again to heaven. But it didn't stop there. The disciples, they just kept holding him up and proclaiming him. The word is hoopso. I've shared it before. What needs to happen right now? Jesus needs to be hoopsoed. We need to be holding up Jesus in all that we do, in everywhere we go, first of all in our homes, but then out there all over the world. This is what they did. You see all those scriptures? Those are all Acts scriptures. That's what the early church did. Every day, both in the temple and at home, they did not stop teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. And then throughout the rest of the book of Acts, you see all these times. So that's what we need to do, guys. Let's stay focused on Jesus. Let, let yourself find rest in him. Take care of your soul. Take care of your soul right now more than ever. It's the most important thing. Is that you're taking care of your soul. That you're putting your life in God's hands. And you're keeping it there. And that, that, means, that means staying focused. That means staying in your Bible that means making sure you're having really good times with God. That means throughout the day, stopping and praying and recalibrating because we drift, right? And refocusing throughout the day and, and, and find the rest for your souls. You, you need it because there's a lot of intense stuff happening out there. We need to stay close to Jesus. Knowing him is everything. It's everything. I told you the story about the little boy. The one who gets the son gets everything. Remember that. And ultimately, what's the most important thing is that we're right with him. That is the most important thing. That concludes the lesson, and we're going to take communion as we remember Jesus. And and, and get yourself ready for Easter. Easter is not just a big fancy service with Fancy food and egg hunts and hats and, and colorful things. Very little of which we're we going to have next week because of the restrictions. But what we will have next week is Jesus. And the chance to focus on him and, to and the chance to focus on what happened 
2,000 years ago and how that is significant to each of us. We're going to have some special things in it. We're going to have some worship. We're going to have some different speakers. It's going to be great. And then we'll have some really great discussions afterwards. Uh, as we close out, though, um, I do want to, in the closing thoughts, share a couple things. Um, in Galatians 2.10, Paul mentioned about remembering the poor, that he was being asked to remember the poor. And I want to repeat that request to all of us, that we all remember the poor. Because as, as bad and as rough as this COVID-19 is here in the United States and here in Los Angeles and in New York and Louisiana and all over the country, it is going to be even more devastating when it reaches the barrios, the ghettos, the slums, the, the, the favelas, the townships around the world where tens of thousands of extremely poor people are cramped into little tight spaces where five to 10 to 15 people live in houses that are made of tin and old plywood and garbage that are about 10, 15 feet long and wide. This is going to be devastating. And for them, there will not be no, any kind of social programs or checks coming in the mail or, or the social systems that we have. And for many of them, they have no access to hospitals, nor to doctors, nor to nurses. And I hate to think what's going to happen in those neighborhoods. So I've actually launched a little campaign of prayer, just asking people to pray around the world. And 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 people, I know some people ask, well, what is that going to do? Well, the first thing, change begins with awareness. And the most powerful thing we can do is pray. And what influences can I have? Well, is just share with others to please pray. What can I do? Well, you can you can sign the petition I started, which is a 30-day commitment to pray at 12 o'clock noon for the poor. We've got some great prayer groups, and we've had a day of prayer and fasting for us and our family of churches around the world, for our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. But none of them have been focused on the poor. And that's what happens. The poor get forgotten. So let's remember the poor. Let's not be the ones who forget the poor. So what is it? 30 days. Set your watch to go off at noon. And just say a little prayer for the poor. That they be protected. That they get the help that they need. Because they don't have anyone else advocating for them. Millions don't. And if you look at the people on this planet, it, it, it goes up to the billions that have no resources and don't have what we have. So if you want to sign the petition, which I would I'd love for you to do, just so we know how many people, I know there's 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 about 700 or so right now. And, the, and they've signed from India, Lebanon, Spain, Sweden, um, all over, all over. I can't even remember all the countries that have signed on already where people have said they'll support it and pray. And all across the United States, pray at 12 o'clock. Go to, if you want to sign on, uh, it's change.org. Look up COVID prop, poverty, Robert Creel. Or actually, Turnwell said he just looked up Robert Creel and it popped right up. And just connect and say, you'll, you'll pray with us. Nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something, right? 
Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Do something today that a year from now, you're going to be proud that you did that. You're going to feel good about doing something. Somebody else said, I'm only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. I love that. That's, I believe, Helen Keller. And then Thomas Edison said, if we did the things we were capable of, we would astound ourselves. I love that. Let's astound ourselves. Let's remember the poor. Uh, Next week is Easter. We've got invitations, electronic invitations. I mailed them to all the leaders in our region, and they can mail them out to you guys. There's several of them. Um, We can also get them out by text. They look great on the phone. They look great in an email uh, to invite everybody for you to join us for Easter. It's going to be a great service. Like I said, we've got some really special things planned. And we got some really cool stuff rolling down the pike here, coming very soon to a kingdom near you, right? Uh, your neighborhood. Um, we've got one just for regular Sundays. Join us online this week, and it has the daily devotionals on there. It has all the information. And also, um, you know, the app is now tied into a, a, a website where you can get a lot of information. It's metroLARegion.com. And particularly, I'm going to be sending out things to encourage and strengthen and inform the region, I, but I don't have everybody's email addresses, so please go to MetroLARegion.com, subscribe to it. It'll just ask your email and your name and, and what part of the city you live in, and then I can have you on my list, so please, please, please do that. I'd love to have a, a, a better personal connection with you guys, and I want to close out just saying Congratulations to Shamika Ennis, who was baptized last weekend. Yep, let's all applaud. That's awesome. That's great. Great news. And I've heard about people getting baptized all over, all over the county. And we're going to start sharing. We're going to do, we got some cool stuff coming down the pike. But uh, use your app, use the website. Um, thank you so much. Love you guys. And uh, let's, let's, uh, we'll switch over now. Let's go to our Zoom groups. And have a great discussion. Have a great uh, time of communion. And I love you. And I'll see you soon. God bless you. Be safe, please.